Ephesians chapter 5. Actually, do this. Go to Colossians uh, 1. Um, let's pray this prayer before we get in the Word, because it has to do with what we're teaching these last few weeks. In Colossians chapter 1, in verse, oh, let's see, verse, is it verse 14? No, it's not verse 14. It's verse 9 through 14. All right, let's look at this, and then we're going to pray it for ourselves again. Paul said, For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you. Now, some prayers you pray over and over because they have to do with spiritual development. You know what I'm talking about? You can't just pray one prayer and bing, you're 100% mature spiritually. You've got to pray these spiritual development prayers over and over. Now, healing, you only need to pray once. Right? A, a miracle, you pray once, believe God, thank Him for it. Um, but this scripture has to do with growing up. Spiritually, So let, let's look here. He says, I cease not to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Praise God. That's a powerful prayer. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That, now, why? That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Being fruitful in every good work. Man, there's a lot of works happening where there's not much fruit. And sometimes it's because man's not praying. They're not looking to the Lord about their life and about direction. But if you want to be fruitful in every good work, pray that the will of God be done in your life. Look to Him for direction every day. And you won't have to say, oh, Lord, bless my plans. Oh, Lord, bless my business. You won't have to pray that because if you're doing what He told you to do, his will's already blessed, fully. So he's saying, if you want these things to happen, pray that you know the will of God. And then he says, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with might. How many like strengthened? Strengthened with all might? According to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Giving thanks. Remember, prayer without thanksgiving is unfinished. A lot of unfinished prayers out there. People, why did the Lord answer my prayer? Did you finish up with thanksgiving? <laughs> Giving thanks to the Father who has made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He's still thanking God who has delivered us from the power of darkness. Is there a power of darkness? Yes, there is. But you're delivered from it if you're a believer. And has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. <clears throat> Did you notice? He's not going to do this. He has done this. Amen. Next verse. In whom, in Jesus, we have redemption, total freedom, through his blood, even the complete remission and wiping away of our sins. Well, when that becomes real to you, you'll be like Paul. I do this all the time. I pray and I thank God all the time for these things. Go back now. Well, actually, we'll, we'll do this. We'll pray this, and I'll lead you. So say these words with me. Heavenly Father, we pray this same Holy Spirit-inspired prayer for the church right here. Us. Myself. Fill me, Lord, with the knowledge of your will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. 
that I may walk worthy of you, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to your glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering, with joyfulness, with joyfulness, with joyfulness, in Jesus' name. Say, it's happening. That's our new amen. It's happening. All right, turn now to Colossians 4. And I want you to notice here how one of the saints of God prayed for the church at Colossae. In verse 12, it says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, salutes you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you might stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Now, just hearing these terms, the will of God, the will of God, the will of, just hearing that phrase shows me that we're not automatically going to follow the will of God because we're saved. These people were saved who Epaphras was praying for. These people were saved who Paul was praying for. You don't automatically walk in the will of God and everything that happens is the will of God in your life after you're a believer. You still have to pursue the will of God and choose to live in it. Or why would Paul pray for believers? Why would Epaphras pray fervently, laboring all the time in prayer? Why would he pray that they stand perfect and complete in all the will of God if you're just automatically in the will of God because you're a Christian? It's actually, there's actually demonic opposition to us all, knowing and living in the will of God more than people realize. One of the number one things of the devil and his opposition is this. He comes with feelings and suggestions, never says it's himself. He says, you know, it's... He always transformed himself as something good. But he comes to people all the time and says, now, if you really, if you really sell out to the will of God, if you really go all the way with Jesus, you won't like it. That's a lie. That feeling is a lie. That thought is a lie. It's against the knowledge of God, and you need to destroy it with the name of Jesus. I refuse to think like that. Because we, we discussed the last few weeks how powerful it is to live in the will of God. Did you know Hebrews chapter 10 verse 36 says that you have need of patience so that after you've done the will of God, you'll be in a position to receive the promises. And so we teach faith in our church. We teach the principles of faith. We teach how faith comes. We teach everything Brother Hagin taught. We teach it. We, we, go, we, we go over it all the time. But... You also have to teach the will of God because your receiver will still be messed up if you're just doing your own thing. You know, doing what you want, never checking in with the Lord, never looking to him to see, Lord, what do you have for this relationship? Lord, what do you have for this geographical location? I told you last week I had to resist the palm tree pole. Pole, P-U-L-L. Because there's other places geographically that I like a little better than Grand Junction as far as weather. And I told you last week, I like New York City. I don't like what they're happening in New York right now. I don't like the laws that are being passed. I just like the big city feel. I like the love the people. I, but, but you know what? If I did what I wanted to do, I'd be out of the will of God a lot of times. I want what the Lord wants. Yep. 
because I, I found out that he knows more than I know. He knows tomorrow. He knows the hearts of all men. He sees what's around the corner. And he knows what will really bless me, not just what I can do to help others. He's got my, me in his mind, too. I'm in his concern. And I, a long time ago, I realized this, that Father knows best. <laughs> you may not feel like he does. It may not look like he does. You may think you got a better way. But I'm telling you, God's got an aerial view of this thing. He knows where you're headed. He knows what's around the corner. He knows where the devil's traps are. He knows what will help you to live a long life. He knows what will cut your life short. And God just wants to help us. But one thing I found out, it's an amazing thing about the Lord. One of the most amazing things I've ever found out about the Lord. He will let you do whatever you want to do. We could learn something from that, couldn't we? When it comes to trying to pressure other people to do what we need them to do or whatever. He will let you do whatever you want to do. I don't want him letting me do what I want to do. I want to find out what he wants for my life because that's what's blessed. We found out from the scriptures, his, his will is full of uh, peace. His will is full of prosperity, right? The plans I have for you are to prosper you and not to harm you. It's full of protection to give you hope and a future, a bright future is in the will of God. Job says if we obey and serve the Lord, we're going to spend our days in prosperity and our years in pleasure. Well, of course there's going to be opposition to us living in the will of God. We are a billboard for the goodness of God as we're living in the will of God. I mean, we're going to be shining examples of how good it is to be in the will of God. The little kid asks you why you got that beautiful Maserati. You tell him, I just do the will of God. He helped me get it. I mean, that's better than, well, I dealt some drugs and, you know, I, I, um, you know I, I'm kind of a rock star. I kind of blaspheme once in a while. How I many of these little kids need to hear they can have some of these nice things that they serve the Lord? Hmm? God's not against you having things. He, he just doesn't want you to love them. He's very leery about giving you something he knows you will love more than him. Right. <laughs> Amen. And so let's go on out to Ephesians 5. And let's look at verse 15 through 17. We're talking about understanding what the will of the Lord is. And this is where this phrase is found. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17. I'm sorry, I'm relying on the overhead I need to get here as quickly as I can. So it says in, uh, where are we? Verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, believer, not as fools, but as wise. Talking about how you live your life, your manner of life. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, don't be unwise. One translation says, don't be a fool, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The Lord's telling us to understand what His will is. That means He wants us to know it, and He's not playing hide-and-seek with His will. Right. He wants you to know His will for your life. Now, you think, well, Pastor, this is an interesting subject. God gave me a free will. Yeah, He gave you a free will, and He wants to help you use it properly. He doesn't want to just override you and make all these decisions for you. He wants you to see certain things, trust Him, and make decisions accordingly so you can live in the highest and the best. The, the phrase, the will of God, is in the Bible. How do you know the devil has a will for your life? And like we said last week, aren't you glad, believer, that you already missed the perfect will 
of the devil yeah. for your life. Yeah. Aren't you glad? Yeah. And then you have a will. Other people have wills. There's a lot of wants and wills going on around us. And what we need to be cautious about is just doing something somebody else tells us, you know, without seeking the Lord. Not unless you're, you know, you've got a boss or something. You've got to do what they tell you to do because that's the will of God for you. But you've you got to watch out about just making all these decisions. The biggest competitor to you and I living in the perfect will of God is our own will and our own wants and our own desires. We grew up thinking that we can just do whatever we want to do and life will be great. I'm, we, we grew up in a mold that we just do what we want to do. I can never picture Jesus ever, ever waking up in the morning going, oh, what do I want to do today? He knew his life was a vapor. It was short. Every second counted. And last uh, Sunday we talked about the more selective we are about living in the will of God, the more effective we're going to be in life in everything we do. Yeah. Right? More selective, more effective. Yeah. There's, there's scriptures of people who, uh, about people who are very selective about the will of God, and you talk about exploits. You talk about power and glory and victory and blessing. Oh my goodness. Caleb, he didn't follow the Lord. He wholly followed the Lord. He got specific about the will of God for his life. And he said, I'm 85 now, Joshua, and I'm just as strong as I was when I was 40. And I'm still believing for that promise. And he said, he said Joshua, I want it. And Joshua said, it's yours, man. Take the entire land. It's yours. How would you like to be as strong at 85 as you were at 40? Providing you were doing well at 40. <laughs> okay. How, how many of you like... It's possible. The will of God will keep you young until you're done. I know, I'm 78. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> look pretty good. I actually am older than I look, but that's another story. So here's somebody else, okay? Who, who else was more selective? Well, think about Paul and Silas. I mean, they are out to preach the gospel to the entire world. Right? And I mean, they're, they're getting on this. You know what? Asia. Oh, Asia needs to hear this gospel. So what are they doing? They're obeying the Lord. They heard, you know, Jesus before he ascended, maybe Peter told him or James, hey, he said, go to all the world and preach the gospel. Asia is a part of the world. Let's go, man. And so they're headed to Asia to preach the gospel. And the Holy Ghost said no. Now, what would have happened if they didn't know much about being led by the Spirit, they didn't know how to tune in to God in the inward witness, what, what if they were just kind of, you know, doing their own thing, never developing spiritually? They would have went to Asia and preached the gospel, and it would have been out of the will of God. Oh, church, do you hear this? This is what we need to talk about for the remaining time today. Disobedience in good things. How many want to be more selective? Because if you want to be more selective, we're going to be more effective. Right? We're talking about getting down to the specifics. We all know it's God's will for every person on this planet to be saved, born again. We all know it's God's will for everybody on this planet to, be, to live a spirit-filled life. That's the initial infilling and maintaining a daily spirit-filled walk. And number three, it's the will of God that everybody on this planet walk in love like God loves us. Right? That's the general will of God for everybody on this planet. But what about where should I live? Is that important? 
You think you'd like a little bit of the leading of the Lord involved in that? Where should I stay? Where should I be rooted? Who should I hook up with? I mean, no, that's a good question to ask before you get married. Lord, is this a, the, a good person for me? Is this a compatible person for me, knowing the call in my life and all that you want me to do? Huh? I mean, no, it's good to pray about those things. You say, well, but Pastor, we just love each other, and, and, and we want to get married, and, and time's ticking away, and, and we just love each other so much, and so we're going to get married, and they get married, and then all of a sudden, Prince Charming turns into Frankenstein. Yeah. And you start thinking, you know, maybe praying for two days wasn't that big a deal. Because <laughs> now I've got 10 years of challenge and problems and pulls and not, not wanting to do the will of God. Now all of a sudden, two days doesn't look like that much anymore. So Paul, Paul said, we need to understand what the will of the Lord is. Is that a good word? Yeah. Understand. Look to the Lord. Now this right here is the will of God for your life. If you find it in here, you don't need a leading. <laughs> if it's a specific order or command or something that, you know, this is the will of God. But there's some things that are not in here. Like, Lord, is this person I'm about to marry, is that the right person? Now why is that smart to do? <laughs> because somebody could be faking you out. We've seen it happen. We've seen, we've seen people get married. I mean, it's usually been on the lady end where a lady would get married to a guy and the guy would start coming to church while they were courting and, and while they were engaged, they came to church and, and the guy's like, yeah, saying amen and all this. And then they get married and the guy says, I don't want to go to church anymore. What was that? That was called, I'm going to go to church so I can get this chick. And then once I get her, I'm going to stop going to church because I didn't really want to go in the first place anyway. How many know the Lord knows the heart of that dude? Amen. Huh? Before you say, I do. Yeah. And it would really be good, ladies and guys, of course, to check with the Lord about it. Not in a suspicious way, not in a, like some conspiracy thing going, no, just, just check and see. Both of you need to pray. Because yeah. when I do a wedding, I, I get to this place in the wedding, and I don't do many weddings anymore. I've probably done a hundred of them. I let other people get developed in this area. But when I do weddings, there's a phrase in there that I tell the whole congregation. I say, congregation, see these two people right here? They have prayed. And they believe with all their heart that this is the perfect will of God for their lives. And then we go on with the ceremony. And I talk to them about that before the ceremony because I look at them and say, did you guys pray? Are you equally yoked? Oh yeah, we're saved, we're saved. I'm not just talking about are you saved. Does one of you like R-rated movies and the other one doesn't? You better get in agreement about what, do one of you believe in tithing and one of you does, right? I mean, one of them's going the worldly route and one of them's going, you better be equally yoked about do you speak in tongues? I mean, I believe in speaking in tongues, but my fiance, oh, they're just, they're so against it, but we love each other. No. Don't come to me for counseling. <laughs> Until you get some of these things straight in your life, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pastor, I got all these problems. Why did you not do what the Lord told you to do? Don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Right. Yep. Well, I didn't we were saved. That doesn't mean you're perfectly yoked. And I say, oh, Pastor, oh, Pastor, oh, we've gotten married and that wasn't the case. Well, I have good news for you. Your marriage is going to be great because you're going to look to the Lord. He's going to take care of everything, right? Yes. Oh, what am I doing? I married the wrong person. No, no. 
Get that out of your mind. You're in a covenant. God honors covenant. Believe God. We've seen miracles in this area. We heard of a great one in, in Vegas just this last couple of days of a wife whose husband was just the center of all sinners and daughter and son just out there in the world worse than ever. And, and they got born again because the wife decided to pray and just live a godly life and the power of God hit and the miracles happened. Turn to 1 John chapter 2. All right, we've got to get to some of these things here, because, but I wanted to... Now, I thought about this morning just putting on the video of last Sunday and watching it. <laughs> it was so good, church. I mean, we had a divine appointment last Sunday morning. It was life-changing. And I hope you're going over what you're hearing, because if these sayings don't sink down in your ears... They won't get into your blood. They won't affect your walk. They won't affect your attitude. They won't affect your talk. You have to go over scriptures more than just what you hear in Sunday. Right. Actually, can I just take a little commercial break here? Yeah. Jesus got done preaching one of the most powerful teachings on the sower sows the word. I call it the parable of the soil. A lot of people call it the parable of the seed sowing. I call it the parable of the soil because... That's what we needed to look at. What, what's, what's the reception of the word? What, what's going on in your heart? All right, so Jesus teaches this amazing, life-changing kingdom teaching hid from the foundations of the world. And after it was over, it said the multitudes left. But his disciples came to him privately saying, Lord, we want to know some more about what we heard in church on Sunday. This is like you going home and studying or talking with your spouse or if you're by yourself, just praying and maybe calling a friend, going over what you heard in church, Jesus said, okay, let me tell you what's going on here. You guys that just came to me after the church service, unto you it's given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to those that just come and go, it's all like parables. It's all like entertainment. It's all like, you know, um, oh, that was good. And it never takes root. It never gets engrafted. And their lives were pretty much the same. you got to go to the Lord after the service is over if you want to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. If you want to know application principles. If you want to know terra, where, where rubber meets the road, terra firma. You know, where, how do I apply this to my life? You have to do something with the messages you hear on Sunday if you want them to change your life. You got to go back to the Lord and say, Lord, privately and say, Lord, tell us about this. And you'll get in some areas of victory that other people don't get into. You do know that Christianity is not just Sundays. Amen. <laughs> Living for God is not just Sundays and Wednesdays, right? It's how you live between services that determine that. So in 1 John 2... Oh, we got to pick up the pace here. Let's look at verse 15. Isn't this interesting? Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. All deal with the will of God. Love not the world. Say this, I don't love the world. And he's talking about the system. The way things operate, not the people. Of course we love the people. But there's a system going on. We don't love that system. Don't love the things that are in the world. Say this, I don't love chocolate. Like it, enjoy it, but don't love it. Why? Because the Lord told you not to. And it messes with your relationship with God and people because it cheapens love. And you need to just use that word for God and people and quit saying, I love my car. All right. So if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust, now he's calling love lust, right? Love the world, now you lust. People get love and lust mixed up all the time. It says, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, so why should we be so adamant about getting all these things celebrities have? Right? At the expense of the will of God. No. Let the Lord bring them to you. He said, all these things are passing away, but he that does the will of God abides forever. Now, I didn't have this on my notes, but I'm going to ask you, Debbie, if you can go to Ephesians 6. Something came to me as I was getting ready for church this morning about the will of God. And I want to show you something because a lot of you probably think, well, pastor, you're in the will of God and, and God's will for your life is full-time minister, but you know, I'm just a carpenter or I just, I'm a lawyer or I, I, you know, I'm a housewife or I'm a mom, single mom. or I mean, what, what's the will of God for me? God doesn't have any plan for my life. I, mean, I just work at Taco Bell. Let me show you something that's the will of God for a lot of us that aren't behind a pulpit. Can I show you? Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Did I say 5? Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse 4. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's not the verse I wanted, but the next verse. Now here it is. You ready? I thought it was. I just went back too far. Servants, or we could say employees. Uh-oh. Be obedient? I can obey nobody. I can obey no man. Oh, be obedient? This is a lost art today. <laughs> and this is one of the reasons resisting the devil's not working, faith's not working, all kinds of stuff's not working because people don't realize you don't get no power unless you're under some authority. That's right. <laughs> you show me somebody who's successful in resisting the devil, I'll show you somebody who's totally submitted to a higher power. But he says, servants, be obedient to them that are your employers, according to the flesh. This is, so this isn't all ghetto spiritual here. Uh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Next verse. Not with eye service, not just to be seen as men pleasers, but the servants of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart. So what's the will of God in this area? Obey your employer. Right? Be respectful. What's the will of God? The will of God is that you work on your job as unto Christ, like Jesus is your employer. Like you're doing what you're doing for the Lord. That's the will of God. So you don't have to be behind a pulpit to be in the will of God and claim all these blessings of peace and prosperity and protection and long life and joy, fullness of joy, happiness. It all comes from being in the will of God. And you don't have to be behind a pulpit to get these blessings. There's things you can do on your job that are the will of God, or there's things you can do on your job that are violations of the will of God. Huh? Yeah, but they're not saved. He, he's talking about even ungodly uh, employers here. Being obedient and, and submissive and respectful on the job to your employer is the will of God for you. I like to put it this way. Every time you see the will of God, like, you know, um, first, first Thessalonians 4, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. All right, sex outside of marriage. Don't go there. 
for this is the will of God. I like to read it like this. For this is my protection. This is my health. This is my prosperity. This is my pleasure. This is my fullness of joy. This is my bright future that I abstain from fornication. Every time you see the will of God, all these good things accompany the will of God. Joy like the world can't give or take away. Protection that you can have a whole military on your side. If, if the Lord's not there, you're not safe. Get all the stuff in the natural you want. Get your pistol, get this or that, do whatever the Lord leads you to do. But you don't need to remember. A horse may be prepared for the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. And if you don't have the Lord, you can have a tank and go down. Because they got laser-guided missiles that make tanks nothing. Right? Safety is of the Lord. So when you see the will of God, after you've done the will of God, oh, <laughs> the will of God will bring into your life everything everybody on this planet is wanting in their life. And a ton of stuff that money can't buy. Hmm. Why would we, why would Christians be so stirred up about having what some of these celebrities have when they don't even want to live? Didn't it just bum you out when Owen Wilson cut his wrist and Robin Williams hung himself? And why, why do these people, they have everything we thought, why would we be wanting to go after what they had and look what happened to them? Yep. Obviously, things ain't it. Yep. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they want what we got. They do. Oh my gosh. Oh man, these people that have all this money and all these houses and all these cars and all these homes and all these flying machines, <laughs> airplanes, they, they, they want, they want, you can't, you can't fly out of depression. Right? A palm tree, you could be under a palm tree and, and a blue sky and feel totally gray. Like you want to kill yourself. We don't need any more suicide celebrities to help to get us to realize prosperity doesn't make you happy. Finances don't make you happy. Money doesn't make you happy. Fame doesn't make you happy. Jesus said, you do these things I'm telling you, happy are ye. So, how many want to abide forever? He that does the will of God will abide forever. Quickly, go to Acts 13. Are you there yet? Just kidding. <laughs> Okay, man. Acts 13, verse 36. Church, listen closely. Listen closely. People who are not interested in, people who don't want the will of God for their life, they will encounter trials that the Lord never intended them to encounter. I'm going to say it again. People that are not interested in the perfect will of God and they're not wanting to live in the perfect will of God, they will encounter trials and tests in life that the Lord never intended they encounter. I call it unnecessary adversity. Stuff you didn't have to go through. But how many know if you're on a certain road, you're going to go through certain towns, experience certain atmospheres, why did God let this happen to me? Why are you on a road He told you not to be on? This is called the way, you know. 
So Acts 13, verse 36. David, after he served his own generation, fell asleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. Nope. Oh, did I miss something? Yeah. I did. David, after he had served his own generation. Now, why put this phrase in there? By the will of God. Why put that in there? <laughs> I guess because it's supposed to be. It's, it's, it's telling us right here that David didn't just do his own thing. See an opportunity. Wow, I can do that. Let me do that for the Lord. Big problem. I think Pastor Hagen talks about it in his book, The Life of Obedience. He talks about how there are people that are serving the Lord the way they want to. And they're totally out of the will of God. It's called disobedience in good things. We don't serve. Paul didn't say, oh, I put myself in the ministry because I said I want to serve the Lord. He said, no, the Lord counted me faithful and he put me in the ministry. God put him in the ministry. Paul constantly said at the beginning of his letters, I, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. I, Paul, an apostle, by the will of God. What's he talking about? He's talking about a man who didn't just wake up some morning and decide what he wanted to do. There's a higher place for you, church. There's a higher realm. There's a glory world. There's things that heaven can give you you can get no other way by being in the will of God for your life. He said, I'm an apostle by the will of God. I do these things by the will of God. You don't just decide what you want to do in life. You discover what's already in the books of heaven about you. Because that's the best, the brightest, the most fulfilling. You'll be a greater blessing to others. God has a plan for your life. And it's absolutely freeing. It's not a box. It's amazing. It's broad. He sets your feet in a large place. You talk about fun and ability to create within what he's called you to do. It's amazing what God's got for your life. There is no such thing as an insignificant part of the body of Christ. Amen. We are so valuable. I, I just pray that hits everybody because all these chairs need to be filled with all these people in this valley realizing I got a valuable part in the body of Christ. I don't go to church just to get. I go to give. Amen. Everybody say discover first. Discover first. Decide second. <laughs> so he served his generation by the will of God. All right. 1 Samuel chapter 23. And I want you to read two verses here. And then if you could get ready to go to 2 Samuel 5 and we'll read two verses there. I wanted to show you this, that David... He didn't just take things for granted. He didn't just go, oh, well, the Lord led me to do that two weeks ago. I bet he's leading me to do the same thing now. Or, oh, wow, I had a feeling to do this two weeks ago on the inside. Whoo, and we did it. And whoo, man, you talk about a blessing, the will of the Lord. And two weeks later, mm, ah, I've had the same feeling. No, you don't go by feelings. Well, we did it two weeks ago and it worked. Well, this might be different two weeks later. Things could have transpired since then. 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 2. Therefore David inquired of the Lord. What's he doing? He's wanting to know the will of God. Saying, Lord, shall I go up and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Kilia. 
So what did he do? David did what? What did David do? Did David just wake up some morning and say, ha, I'm the king and we are a strong nation and let's go take these Philistines. <laughs> we're going to do the will of the Lord and we're going to take these Philistines. Why didn't he just do that? He's strong. They got a reputation for being amazing warriors. Why didn't he just say, let's just go kill these Philistines, man. They're messing with our families. He inquired of the Lord. Why? Because he wasn't dumb, right? Being not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. He inquired of the Lord. And what did the Lord say? He got it in his heart. Come on, what did he get in prayer? Go, go, I'm with you. Do this, okay? Look at verse 4. Then David inquired again of the Lord, yet again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to, is that Keilah? For I will deliver the Philistines into your hands. So second time, right? What's he doing? He said, he's checking with the Lord. Lord, should I do this? Should I go here? Should I do this? Should I? It could be battle. It could be a business decision. It could be a family decision. Why, why is he inquiring of the Lord? Why didn't he just do what he wants to do? Because he's not dumb. Be not foolish, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Come on, we'll go to the scripture in closing in just a second. But you got to, it's not, it's not, I'm going to do this because man, it looks great. I can do this. No, what you need to say, if the Lord will. Now, the message translation says, get in the habit of saying, if it's God's will. It would say habit. habit. Very important. Sometimes you can get so busy for the Lord, you can get so busy doing His will, that before you know it, you got ahead of Him. You passed up some things that you shouldn't have passed up. And you got to moving too fast. And you didn't inquire the Lord properly. And then you encounter things that were not the will of God that you encounter. How I many of you can get on a roll for God? Huh? You can get on a roll for Him and, and, and forget to say, Lord, if it's your will. I mean, you get in the flow of all these good things and you forget to say, Lord... If it's, this looks so good, it feels just like all the other leadings, but what, what do feelings have to do with it? Don't shift from being led by the Spirit to a feeling you had when you were led by the Spirit. Stay with the Holy Ghost. Stay with the inward knowing, not the feeling. David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said, Go up, go up, take it. And they did, and they had a great victory. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 19. And David, well, here we go again. Why is he doing this? He's in the habit of doing this. He's in the habit of saying, Lord, if it's your will. That's a good, good habit. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? The Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. Now you think after all these inquiries, David would say, You know, I don't need to inquire of the Lord anymore. I'm on a roll here, man. I don't need to keep praying about this. I, I, I know I'm what I'm supposed to do. What's that called? That's called dumb. I know I'm quoting scripture. Be not unwise, right? Don't be dumb. Check with the Lord about it. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that big a deal. Get in the habit of it. In all your ways acknowledge Him. From losing your car keys to should I marry this person? Come on, what does it say now? Look, look at verse 23. 
Are y'all reading this with me? Is this fun? You guys seeing this? He's talking about David's praying. He's seeking the Lord about these things. Whether it's a job, a business, where you should live, what church you should go to. What you, he's saying, when David inquired of the Lord, David inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord said, don't go up. Well, it's a good thing he inquired. Mm-hmm. And then just get in some habit, uh, uh, not habit, but just some uh, rut. Right. Yeah. I don't need to inquire of the Lord. But this time the Lord said, don't go up. But fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. In other words, you got to do this different than the last time. Good thing he inquired of the Lord again. He might have got killed. There might have been an ambushment against them. Might have died young. So I go back to the story about Paul and Silas going to Asia to preach the gospel. They were sensitive enough to realize they weren't supposed to go. The Spirit of God forbade them to go. How'd they pick that up? They're walking close with God. You will not get the specifics of God's perfect will for your life apart from your personal walk with the Lord. There's some things only you will get from him personally. You'll get stirred up. You'll get nuggets. You'll get things here and there. But there's some things you won't know unless you're walking really close with him. And church, don't get stressed about it. God's not playing hide and seek with his will. You can live in his perfect will for months at a time without one violation. It's possible. But you're going to have to realize sometimes Good things are going to compete with the God things. There's a difference between good and God. And oh, what a difference. Just because it's good doesn't mean it's God for you right now. But everything that's God is good, but not everything good is, is God. This is, this is where, and we're going to close on this note here, but this, this is where, this is actually what separates the great men and women of God from those who didn't reach their full potential. Are you inquiring of the Lord? Got to watch out about opportunities leading you. There are some things, friend, money cannot buy you. You don't want to forfeit spiritual, powerful spiritual environment for a, something that makes more money. You don't want to do that. Now, the Lord may want you to go make more money. I'm not saying the key is ask him, pray and make sure the pull of the opportunity isn't stronger than the inward witness. That's when people get in trouble. Brother Hagen said, in the talking to full-time ministers like myself, we're all full-time ministers, I realize that, but people that preach are uh, one of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher offices. The Lord told Brother Hagen in a vision, he said, many of my servants, my ministers, many of them live their entire life and they die and never enter the first phase of their ministry. Brother Hagin said, I pastored successfully for 15 years and I wasn't even in the first phase of my ministry yet. Lord said, you're in training. He said, now you're ready to enter the first phase of your ministry? He's going, first phase of my ministry? I wonder what there's a second phase. How many people reached the third phase? Glory to God. Could you imagine what's waiting for you in the third phase of your earthly ministry for the head of the church? Oh my goodness. You talk about powers of the world to come. You talk about living more in heaven than on the earth. You'd be like Enoch, man. 
you're walking with God and he's just so close to heaven. He says, well, you're closer to me than earth. Just might as well come on home. <laughs> All right, quickly. One more scripture. Matthew 7. Oh, got to go to two more. This will be quick. They'll go to James 4 and Matthew 7. And while you're turning there, I'll quote you another one. All right, listen, church, listen closely. Philippians chapter 1, Paul tells the church. You ready? He says, I have nobody like Timothy. I mean, Timothy, are you kidding me? He naturally cares for your state. This is not him going against the grain and saying, oh, I'm suffering for the Lord. He said, I don't have anybody with me who actually loves what they're doing for the church. Way beyond my job. He says, I have nobody like, like Timothy who naturally cares for your state. This just comes natural to him. He's not having to go, okay, I'll get my spirits away. This Timothy, and then Paul said this, you ready? All men seek their own and not the things that be Jesus Christ. One translation says all men do what they want. They're not concerned with the interests of Christ. Everybody say all men. Amen. What does that mean? It means we're all being opposed to living in the will of God. Things are coming to us on an hourly basis, trying to tell us that the things of God are really what we want. Uh, we're thinking, well, well, it must be God because I have such a strong desire for it. It could totally be you only. Amen. What a statement. Paul said, all men seek their own, look for their own, not the things which be Jesus Christ. Remember that? <laughs> Jesus told Peter, he said, man, you're more concerned about the things of men than the things of God. There are the things of God, and they need to be very important to us. Things of God. The will of God. All men have to deal with this self-seeking thing. Say this, Father knows best. James 4, we'll close with these two scriptures. James 4, and did I give you the, uh, is it verse 13 through 17? Is that what it is? Yeah, here it is. Don't you love the King James? Go to new, go to now, you that say. <laughs> Sounds a little like Yoda. <laughs> a little backwards there. Go to now, you that say. People that say this, well, today or tomorrow, we're going to go into this city and we're going to continue there a year and we're going to buy and sell. I think the message translation says, we're going to move over here. We're going to do business, get a bunch of money and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Next verse. Whereas you don't even know what shall be on the morrow. What, what did he say? He said, listen, <laughs> This is not, not really scolding. You say, listen, there is a better way, man. You don't have to play Russian roulette with your family and your future and your finances and your health. You can know accurately what to do. Yes. You can accurately know what to do about your life. You don't have to play Russian roulette. This might work and it might not. You don't even know what's on the mark. What's your life? And then you're saying, here, guys, all these things you're just wanting to do and think, oh, I don't get to do this before I leave. It, we're talking about a vapor here. We're talking, well, I, I wanted to see this and I wanted to do that. Oh, you're talking about a vapor. 
Your life is a vapor. It's like a puff of smoke and it's gone. You should be concerned about what's going to happen after that puff of smoke, which is eternity. And a lot of things we do in this life determine our positions and places in the next life. This is a big deal. But, but I want to do this so bad. Yeah, I want to do Whatever you want to do on this planet so bad right now, you'll get to do after this life in a way better world with way better palm trees, right? And better cities and better concert halls and better museums. You think, well, I want to see all this. I know I got to do the will of God, but there's so much I want to do over here and I want to do this. Church, if you do Christianity right, you're going to have to die daily. You're going to have to give up some stuff that's okay. You're going to have to say no to some stuff that's all right and not even sin in and of itself. But what are you doing? You're giving up a few things in this vapor for an eternity of a... Oh, people, do you realize that you doing the will of God in this life sets you up for the rest of eternity? Do you realize that? Anytime you feel tempted to do something that you know is pulling on the will of God, just go, vapor, forever. Whatever I'm giving up in the vapor, I'll be able to enjoy on some level in eternity on a higher level. Come on, your life's, it's even a vapor. It appears for a little time and vanishes away. Poof, gone. Verse 15. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will. If the Lord will, we'll make a living and do this, or we'll make a living and do that. Next verse. But now you rejoice in your boastings, and all such rejoicing is evil. Why is it evil? Because any violation of the will of God is missing the mark. Now look at the message translation in verse 15. <clears throat> do you have it? The message translation, verse 15. I have it written down. If you don't, just let me know and I'll read it if you don't. Woo! Boy, I got more than I asked for. All right, all right. And now I have a word for you who brashly announced today at the Lays, tomorrow we're off to such and such a city for the year. We're going to start a business and make a lot of money. And James says, you don't know the first thing about tomorrow. Okay, we're not quite to the verse. You're... Okay, back up to the previous verse. So let's read it. You're nothing but a wisp of fog catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. Instead, okay, thank you, Debbie, make it a habit to say, you ever say, make it a habit? Make it a habit. If the master's will. If, if the master wills and we're still alive, we'll do this or that. Everybody say, make it a habit. Make it a habit. David inquired of the Lord. And then he 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 inquired of the Lord. Why? He made a habit of it. Why? Because he realized, this is too important to just trust my own brains. I need to seek the Lord. I need to seek somebody about the, because he knows the future. He knows the hearts of all men. He knows who's going to flake out in three weeks after you hook with them. He knows who's going to stab you in the back. <laughs> right? He knows who you'd be more compatible with. Final scripture, Matthew 7. I think we ended, this, ended with this one last week too. Matthew 7. 
If Jesus had to pray, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. If he had to pray that, and he had no sin nature, if he had to pray that, how much more we have to pray that? Hmm? There'll be times it's going to look like God's way is not the best way. And the first reaction of the flesh is to go the way you think is best. First Peter 4, 1 and 2 says that the flesh is bent on not wanting to do the will of God. The flesh, your flesh, your fleshly desires does not want to do the will of God. Your lower level part of your being does not want to do the will of God. You have to rise above that with your spirit. You have to learn actually to have power over your own will because that's the greatest competitor to the will of God. You, you want to do something and a, part, a stronger part of you comes on the scene and says, wait a second. Your spirit rises up. The volition part of your life has been king for so long that you've got to develop your spirit to where you say, I want this. And then all of a sudden your spirit that's being fed on the word regularly rises up and says, wait a second. Power over your own will. Power over your own will. What's that called? That's called a man or a woman who's grown up in life. And really, that's... A lot of people are not getting the victory because they don't have power over their own will. They continue to make choices they think are right, but they're not, they're not what they need. All right, final scripture, Matthew 7. Look at verse... You got the verses I gave you back there? I didn't have them written down here. It's uh, verse 21. Okay, we read this last week. You ready? Not everyone, Jesus said, that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Stop right there again. Is Jesus your Lord? Or do you just say he is? Mondo difference. Is Jesus your Lord? Or do you just say he is? Now, saying Jesus is Lord is powerful and great, but there is a little bit more to it than that. Because many will come to him in that day and say, Lord, Lord. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. And always remember this. His commandments are not grievous. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. You will love it. Devil says, you won't like it. Pastor says, you will love it. He that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Next verse. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name have we not cast out devils? And in your name have done many wonderful works? What, what's, that's good stuff. I said, that's good things. Right? Is that good things? I would think prophesying is good. Casting out devils is good. Doing many wonderful works is good. Is that good? Is it good? Yeah, okay. Next verse. And then I'll profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Look at the NLT translation. I think it's TLB, I guess is what it is, of that 23rd verse. I think I gave it to you back there. I, did you copy and paste that one? You didn't copy and paste it. Let me just tell you what it says, church. 
Matthew 7, 23, Jesus said to those people who said, Oh, we cast out devils in your name and we prophesied in your name. Listen close. You ready? It, it said, Jesus said, I never knew you. Go away. The things you did were unauthorized. Wow. So let's just wrap this up by saying this. You, you can't just do good things that you want to do and say, I'm serving the Lord. I mean, do good things. Don't get me wrong. We need to do good things every day of our life. But when it comes to ministries and starting things and church, listen, there are a lot of things you can do that appear good to men, but they're unauthorized because the Lord never led you to do them. I, I look at it like this. You can't cover up rebellion with good works. A lot of people have left churches mad, started to try to start another work somewhere, and, and it, oh, it looks good, they got a church. And, but really, if they left in rebellion and things are unfinished where they came from, you can't cover up rebellion with good works. You can do unauthorized things if you want. Doesn't mean the Lord. This is where that, the, the end fire comes in, you know, about works will be tried by fire. And some works will stand the test of the fire, some works will be burned up like hay. Yet the person will be saved, yet so as by fire. Interesting to think that you can do good things unauthorized with wrong motives, wrong intentions. We've seen it happen in our church. We've seen people leave our church and try to start other works. And it's so sad because you knew they left wrong. There's a Bible way to leave a minister. There's a Bible way to, to leave certain things. There's a Bible way to leave a business. There's a Bible way. Then there's an offense way. Then there's a I'm not getting my way way, Right? And that's, that's actually rebellion. That's what the devil did. If people knew what they were yielding to, they'd stop it. The devil left his first estate. But you, you get up, you leave where you're supposed to be and try to do something. We have seen, it's so sad. Marriages have been wiped out. The thing they tried to start wiped out. Yeah. Kids are messed up. It's happened time and time again. It's sad. And we try to teach people, listen, Listen, if you're in the church you're supposed to be in, of course you're going to be challenged at times. Duh. devil don't want you in the perfect will of God. Just, just calm down and be ready for a talk. Work things out. Pray. Seek the Lord. Offense is a destructive thing. And we're believing for restoration in these last days. We're believing that there's a mighty restoration coming to the church worldwide. We're going to see sons and daughters that used to be apart coming from afar nursed at our side, flowing together in the Word of God because it's been prophesied and it's happening. I mean, if all the people that just got offended in certain churches came back, they wouldn't have enough room. And then we can, you know, get even other people in that aren't saved and get them saved and delivered. Let's stand up.